You are listening to Best Life After Cancer, Episode 23. Welcome to Best Life After Cancer. I'm so glad you're here. This is the podcast where cancer survivors and caregivers can get solutions and support to overcome the life challenges brought by their cancer diagnosis. If you are ready to release your fear, regain your joy, and reduce your risk, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Dr. Deborah Butzbach. Hi, my best lifers, and welcome back. I am launching my first weight loss coaching group November 1st. There is a focus for breast cancer patients, but it is awesome for anyone who has struggled with weight and just not known why they can't follow their plan. It's not medical treatment. I don't prescribe pills or surgery. I help you figure out what is in your brain that is keeping you from doing the things you know you need to do to be healthy. I'd love to have you join us. You can get more information on my website, Best Life After Cancer, under the services section. In addition to working on that lately, I have been coaching myself into loving fall. It used to be my least favorite season, and believe it or not, it is working. I have been so grateful to see all the beauty around me this fall. I am planning an upcoming podcast about this topic, so stay tuned. This week is the third podcast in Breast Cancer Month and is, by request, a medical one about triple negative breast cancer. I'm going to go through what it is, why it is worse, what the standard treatment is, and also dispel some myths along the way. As always, I am a doctor, but not your doctor, so run all medical decisions by your primary team. So let's dive in. First, what is triple negative breast cancer, also known as TNBC? Breast cancers run the spectrum from less aggressive to more aggressive. This is in part determined by the presence or absence of markers on the surface of the cancer cells that can be targeted by our therapies. Normal breast cells have estrogen and progesterone receptors that respond to the hormonal signals of our bodies, telling those cells to multiply during pregnancy to get ready to feed an infant or cut back after menopause when we no longer need them. When a cancer cell starts to grow, it often still has these receptors and is using the estrogen and progesterone in our body to stimulate its growth. There are pills, including tamoxifen, used primarily for premenopausal women, and aromatase inhibitors, used for postmenopausal women. The simplified action of these pills is that they cut off the food supply to the tumor cells, effectively starving them. Next in terms of aggression is ERMPR-positive and HER2-positive cancers. HER2 is another molecule that we have targeted treatments for, including the drug Herceptin. In triple-positive patients, they may receive hormonal therapy or they may receive chemotherapy with Herceptin and hormonal therapy. Then come ERNPR-negative HER2-positive cancers. These patients will most often get chemotherapy with Herceptin. Finally are the triple-negative cancers. What makes these so aggressive is that they are not listening to your body's signals at all. They are growing all on their own, making what they need to grow and not affected by the targeted molecules that we have. This means that chemotherapy will still be helpful, but hormonal therapy or Herceptin, the meds we use after chemotherapy, are ineffective. Before we get into more about triple negative breast cancer, let me just have a quick discussion with you about staging. The staging for breast cancer is currently super complex. It includes the T or tumor stage, meaning the size of the tumor and invasion into the skin, chest wall, and more. N stage is nodal staging. 
There is both a clinical nodal staging used before the nodes are removed based on what we see on imaging and feel on exam, and a pathologic nodal staging, which is what we see under the microscope after surgery when we remove the nodes. The M of the staging is the presence or absence of known metastatic disease. The staging also includes the grade, which is how the cells look under the microscope. It goes from a 1 to a 3. It includes the estrogen and progesterone receptor status and the HER2 status. It also includes something called an oncotype score, which is used in ERMPR positive cancers. It evaluates the DNA of the tumor itself, helping to drive decision-making whether chemotherapy is needed. It is not typically used in triple negative cancers or HER2 positive cancers. The staging of breast cancer is in the show notes, describing in detail how stage is determined. So let's talk about who needs chemotherapy with a triple negative breast cancer. The treatment paradigm for TNBC is a bit different than for other breast cancers and uses chemotherapy more frequently and earlier in the treatment path. The NCCN, or National Comprehensive Cancer Network, puts out guidelines that are considered the standard of care in the United States. The NCCN guidelines for triple negative tumors, less than or equal to 5 millimeters, node negative is for no chemotherapy. In a 5 millimeter cancer with a node met that is 2 millimeters or less, chemotherapy should be considered. Tumors 6 millimeters to 1 centimeter, node negative, chemo can be considered. For tumors over a centimeter, chemo should be given unless there are extenuating circumstances like advanced age or other severe medical issues that can preclude chemotherapy. Any nodal disease over 2 millimeters also warrants chemotherapy with the same caveats. Here is a good place to dispel a myth about triple negative breast cancer. I have seen posts on Facebook that this type of cancer is not truly curable. This is incorrect. There are many long-term survivors of triple negative breast cancer, and these include people with a locally advanced breast cancer involving the nodes. One of the big areas of discussion in triple negative breast cancer is chemotherapy before surgery or after. There is not a clearly defined point at which chemotherapy before surgery is thought better than chemotherapy after surgery in this group, but a few things are clear. Randomized trials of chemotherapy have shown similar long-term outcomes, whether it is given upfront or after surgery. Second, a pathologic complete response, meaning no tumor left in the breast or nodes at surgery after chemotherapy, is associated with a better disease-free survival and overall survival, especially in triple negative breast cancers. Finally, care should be taken after pre-op chemotherapy to make sure that appropriate local therapy is employed, because inadequate local therapy is associated with an increased risk of failure. This means imaging should be used to determine what needs to be removed and radiation employed in patients having a lumpectomy. If a mastectomy is planned, imaging may not be necessary. In terms of what chemotherapy, randomized trials have shown that the addition of a taxane to adromycin and cytoxin improves outcome over adromycin and cytoxin alone. The use of a platinum agent is controversial. Some studies showed an improved pathologic complete response rate. Long-term outcomes are not yet known. This is not considered standard, but can be considered in selected patients. There are trials ongoing for patients who do not achieve a pathologic complete response, and I will discuss this more at the end of the podcast. There are some clear benefits to chemotherapy upfront. Upfront chemotherapy is also known as neoadjuvant chemotherapy, abbreviated as NAC. 
It can be used to make inoperable tumors operable. Think big fixed lymph nodes, breast mass that's attached to the underlying muscle, and so on. It can also possibly make breast conservation possible in masses too big for this at the start. It can provide prognostic information about the responsiveness of the tumor to chemotherapy. It allows us to see if a regimen isn't working, meaning the tumor isn't shrinking or is actually growing, to stop an ineffective treatment to switch to a more effective one, sparing a patient chemotherapy that will not help cure their disease. It may let us know who needs more chemotherapy after surgery, for instance, in patients who do not have a pathologic complete response. In many patients, chemotherapy upfront also allows for time for genetic testing and surgical planning if considering a mastectomy with reconstruction. It may allow for lesser surgery or radiation if all nodal disease is eradicated with chemotherapy. Note, this is 100% on a case-by-case basis, and no clear group can be given the go-ahead for less surgery or less radiation. The cautions with neoadjuvant chemotherapy, it is possible to overtreat if clinical stage is overestimated, meaning if the nodes look like they're involved but are not biopsy-proven and end up just being inflammatory or the body's response to the tumor. There's also the possibility of progression during treatment if the tumor is not responding to the chemotherapy. Clear candidates for neoadjuvant chemotherapy include bulky or matted lymph nodes, meaning they are fixed together in a clump, N3 disease, and T4 tumors. Again, the staging is available in the show notes if you'd like to look at this. In patients with operable breast cancer, NCCN states that pre-op chemotherapy is preferred in triple negative breast cancer patients with T2 or greater disease or any nodal disease. Another consideration is in patients with a large primary and small breast who want breast conservation. Those who are not good candidates for neoadjuvant chemotherapy are those with extensive in situ disease, as the risk of overtreating is high. Think if you have a mass that's two centimeters of non-invasive cancer with one millimeter of invasive disease, the mass may feel or look large on imaging, but DCIS does not need chemotherapy under any circumstances. This is one of the places where it really isn't one size fits all, and treatment of stage one triple negative breast cancer is variable based on the doctor and patient preference, differences in practice patterns in different parts of the country, and more. Just remember that for stage one cancer, cure rate is equivalent with neoadjuvant chemotherapy or postoperative chemotherapy, and we don't have to have prognostic information of response for you to be cured. What workup is appropriate before neoadjuvant chemotherapy? If the tumor is T2 or larger or node positive, the recommended workup includes a history and physical exam, mammograms with ultrasound if needed, some form of axillary assessment, usually with an ultrasound, and consideration of biopsy of suspicious nodes, pathologic review, confirmation of ER, PR, and HER2 status, genetic counseling, and fertility counseling if premenopausal. A note here is that triple negative breast cancer currently is an indication on its own qualifying for genetic testing. No additional family history is needed. A pregnancy test is needed in all premenopausal women prior to chemotherapy. Studies that can be considered but are not mandatory include lab work with CBC, liver function tests, and alkaline phosphatase, which can be elevated if there is bone involvement, CAT scan of the chest and abdomen, or abdominal MRI, bone scan or PET scan, and breast MRI. 
More extensive testing is often performed in locally advanced triple negative breast cancer to make sure there is not metastatic disease already present at diagnosis. In stage 1 cancer, additional testing is usually not performed, as the vast majority of findings on these studies will be red herrings, meaning not cancer, and will delay the start of treatment unnecessarily. What is recommended after treatment? In the absence of symptoms, no distant screening studies are indicated. This is further explained in great detail in Podcast 21 on testing after cancer treatment. Mammos and physical exams are a must because if there is a recurrence in the breast or nodes, this is still curable. MRI is used in many patients with a difficult exam or strong family history, among other reasons. It is a more sensitive test but does come with a higher risk of false positives. It is recommended that women make all effort to maximize their survival with what they can control, which includes an active lifestyle with a goal of 150 minutes of mild to moderate activity per week, limiting alcohol, I personally tell patients five drinks per week or less, and maintaining an optimal BMI, which is in the range of 20 to 25. There are multiple free BMI calculators online if you need to figure yours out. Finally, no discussion of triple negative breast cancer would be complete without a discussion of clinical trials. Here's where I'd like to dispel another myth. There's a belief that this should be figured out already and that enough research is not being done. The truth is that initially we didn't have hormonal therapy, we didn't have Herceptin, and we didn't have the same chemotherapy medications. Over time, we have slowly found things that work on estrogen and progesterone receptor positive cancers, followed by finding the Herceptin drug to work on HER2 positive cancers. And ultimately, we will find other targeted molecules that will work in triple negative breast cancer. It's only a matter of time. There is a website, clinicaltrials.gov, and there is a link in the show notes where you can search by breast cancer and add triple negative as a qualifier. There are currently 508 open trials in the U.S. for triple negative breast cancer, with 209 of those actively recruiting. Some are looking at additional therapy in patients who do not achieve a complete response. Some are looking at monoclonal antibodies in conjunction with vaccines. The trials change monthly, so an in-depth discussion is really not useful here. Let's just say if you are young with a triple negative breast cancer, with a poor response to neoadjuvant chemotherapy, an evaluation at a tertiary care center to discuss available clinical trials is certainly not unreasonable. Finally, let's dispel a few myths. This type of breast cancer is curable. It is not a death sentence. It is being aggressively researched to continue to find drugs to help after standard therapy. It is less common, but it is not something unknown or so rare that we don't know how to deal with this. Like any other cancer, part of this journey is dealing with what's in your body, and an equally important part is dealing with what's in your mind. Living in fear of your diagnosis is problematic for many reasons. It increases stress hormones that can suppress immunity. It also destroys quality time. I love the quote, worry doesn't decrease tomorrow's risk. It destroys today's peace. For certain, if you are spending your time worrying, you are losing that time, and there is no worry bank where you get it back. If you have a year before your cancer comes back, I'm sure you want to enjoy every minute and not spend it worrying. If your cancer is never destined to come back, then you could waste the next 15 or 20 years worrying. In no case does worrying give you more time, reduce your risk, or help you enjoy the time you are given. My favorite book quote is from Gandalf to Frodo in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I know, so geeky. 
Gandalf says, all we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. Fear can be addressed, and if it is a challenge, I hope you will consider working with me to address it. The first step to getting help with fear is to join the survivors group on my Facebook page, Best Life After Cancer MD. To my friends on the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Facebook group, this one was for you. I hope it was helpful, and I'll speak with you soon. Thanks for listening to Best Life After Cancer. Did you know you can get more information on my website, bestlifeaftercancer.com? There is also a Facebook page, Best Life After Cancer MD, where there is a group just for survivors. Here you are able to interact with me, ask questions, and get more help. I'd love to see you there. Have a great week, and I'll speak with you soon.